My name is Maceo. My name is Puno. And this is our podcast. It's fun with Puno and Maceo. Maceo and Puno. It's Puno and Maceo. <laughs> Whatever. With our dear friend Alexis Rockley. Alexis Rockley, author of Find Your Fuck Yeah, Stop Censoring Who You Are and Discover What You Really Want. Available now from Chronicle Prism. Did you have to like mark out the U in order for it to be a cover? Yes. That is a hard yes. Uh, That's sick. I and actually I, I pitched the tape lines because there were all of us were talking about what could you possibly do on a cover that isn't like a cute star or like, you know, the the other there's many books now with fuck in the title. Uh yeah, so we had to we had to figure out what we could possibly do that wouldn't that wouldn't make it as obvious as the other little blocking out the letter U. Yeah, so I like I like that you have put the subtitle there. I like that you have it there. Because it says stop censoring, but it is censoring, but it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, my Clever. chin is receding into my whole body. I'm really, <laughs> really proud of myself. She's a turtle. <laughs> uh, this is this is cool though. It's very neon. I love it. It's thank you for the copy. Anytime. Um, so, so part of the reason I wanted to talk to Alexis is because the book itself, if you flip through uh, Puno, you'll get what I'm saying. It's designed in such a way that it's like the most well designed book I've ever held in my hand. Um, oh my god! And I know you appreciate that, but it's 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 fun on the cover, and it's dense and stuff. But it's also like it stops you in natural places and says like, "Cool, like like digest, digest this section, right?" And like I I really appreciate the way that it is laid out, almost like a little magazine or a blog post or something. It's very contemporary, and so. It's also a reflection of how Alexis is as a human being. That's rad. I love it. In book form. Helvetica, bold, Mm -hmm. italic. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, I had lots. uh, Chronicle Prism was the most patient with me over all of my opinions (laughs) on design and font and colors because I did want it to be interactive and I wanted the, I want people to move through this kind of material, this like science heavy, um, talk about your feelings and passion heavy stuff. Is she going to say it? In a fun <laughs> way. Do I do I win the prize? Is there like a like a door and then something opens up and like confetti comes down? I mean, should nope. imagine it. <laughs> okay, I can see it in my head. Yeah, I wanted it to be fun. I wanted people to open this book and feel like they were gonna leave the book with the same energy that I wrote it with, which is fuck yeah. I wanted someone to look at it and be like, okay, great, I'm not bored. And especially when it gets really dense, I want someone to stop and have a break because sometimes like the most meaningful books I've read don't let you breathe. Mm. And I wanted it to have visual design cues that help people breathe. And they did a great job. Oh, That's hey, awesome. Thanks. And, and then bump. you said science. Science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Um, so wizardry. No, I'm just kidding. Science being... I'm obsessed with science now. I'm obsessed with data because... Um, I'll get into a little bit of my backstory at some point, Mm but uh, I was going through a classic millennial angsty, I'm 28 and running things and melting down. Oh, and 27, 28. That's yeah. It's like a special time. Middle management time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a victim or like that asshole who has lots of wonderful things going on in their life and totally clueless to their privilege. 
So I decided not to be shitty and pouty and I figured I might as well read all the self-help books that I can because how else does one get happy in a modern day and age? And I was pissed off because they were all empty and fluffy and full of you like... You just were going through chicken soup for the souls. You shouldn't start there. Those aren't good. <laughs> definitely not a good place to start. There are quality self-help books out there, but... It was just like, there are really, really good ones out there. And actually, I put a lot of resources on my website because I want people to find books that are quality, but it's all subjective. I think the main thing that pissed me off about self-help books was I felt like I was in this like really inspired place with the author. And then they were holding my hand through all of this information I was getting. And then the book ended and they left me there. And I was like, what do I fucking do now? How do I change my life? So let's do the, the, the like, let's tell, tell us your bio. How did you, like, who are you? I should... Why, why does your opinion matter? Oh, my God. I mean... Who cares? No one does. But I matter because I help people like being alive. I help them figure out how to like being alive. That's what I do now. With science? With... I translate science. Basically, oh. I in the process of doing the self-help dive, I was like, okay, this shit's empty. I'm sad. Maybe there's a book written by a scientist that might have more information because all of this woo-woo stuff is cool, but I'm not getting any substance or action from it. Then I found a couple books written by scientists and I was like, oh, hey, this is actually helping me a little bit. Maybe, like, maybe if I had more money, I could try therapy, but mm -hmm. I'm going to keep reading books by psychologists. Then I got kind of rabbit hole and I found the citations written by the scientists of the papers they studied in their book, went to the back of the book, found the paper, read the paper, went into the deep internet whole of all the papers and was like oh my god there's so much good stuff in science right now helping people like being alive helping them like their jobs helping them figure shit out and scientists are terrible at pr uh, so we don't know so you stole their work no, yeah <laughs> she's an educational marketer oh oh wait i'm gonna add that to my signature right? there is a wholesale knowledge market <laughs> out there and alexis Rockley packages knowledge and then sells it to you at retail oh in a beautiful God. container. That makes me want to die a little, but thank you. Well, so, okay, I saw you nodding a little bit, but also today we're talking about, today we're talking about optimism. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like, I'm so curious because I haven't read it, so I'm just... I'm curious, like, do you talk about that in, in Le Book? I talk about it in a sort of roundabout way. Okay. So I think when we think about optimism, we think about being hopeful or being open-minded or thinking that something good will come of something. When you think about optimists, we typically think of just people who have a vi an energy, a vibe, like things are going to be okay. And that is actually not what optimism is or mm -hmm. what optimists are. Optimism is learned confidence but we're not getting that information out in the world. Um, and it's only really circulating in like positive psychology circles and academic papers by scientists. <laughs> so um, optimism is actually learned confidence and it is the ability to try and not die. It's like confidence is an archive of all of the times that you tried and survived trying. But we think confidence is this innate personality trait that um, comes from succeeding over and over. So you get confidence points yeah. every time you try something. It doesn't necessarily get logged in the memory, but it gets logged in your confidence journal. Mm -hmm. And that will grow. Yeah, it, it becomes optimism. 
it becomes i love that so much i love that so much do you have a t-shirt can i get that in a t-shirt um totally (laughs) let's let's collab on a t-shirt actually i like this um when we were talking before i was saying like i have so much confidence that whenever something goes wrong i pretty much know it wasn't my fault Mm -hmm. that was it was amazing to watch the room when you said that a shift because people were like shocked and joyfully surprised to hear. For example, I am the person who, when the computer isn't working, I'm sure it's the computer's fault versus the person who is sure it's their fault that they don't know how to use the computer. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I, I've witnessed both both situations where it's my fault or it was the computer's right. fault. Right. After a certain period of time, I begin to troubleshoot, but my gut instinct is that and is that I'm going to push this one to 10 more times to see if it changes. <laughs> I'm going to hit it and then it'll it'll be okay. <laughs> so, I heard a a quick aside. I heard um this comedian Bill Burr, he says, you know, Ein, uh, Einstein or whatever says that the definition of insanity is insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And he goes, yeah, but another way to, to describe that is called practice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <gasps> Bill Burr's right. He's right. Damn it, Bill Burr. I got to watch that on Netflix right now. Yeah. So, okay. So what are your thoughts on fun? Uh, I mean, like, Fun is a huge part of how I decide what I want to do now. And that that's like a luxury that I have because I now work for myself. So I get to decide what fun is. But I only realized I could decide what fun is after I stopped working for a company. And that wasn't the company's fault that I wasn't having fun anymore. So I think like there's this there's a narrative right now out in the world about how you can either climb the ladder and be really amazing working for a company and you slay and you're like in the boardroom, you're a CEO or something. And then the other narrative is fuck the man. Let's work for ourselves and be badasses who are self-employed and get VC funding by working in our garage or blah, blah, blah. Basically what I'm describing, I write in the book about as success porn. It's this new kind of way of talking about success that turns everyone's life and choices into bite-sized sound bites that completely erase the details of being a person. And fun is a thread woven through your life. It's like a thing you have to learn how to track down. I talk about it like in the book also as joy, but I also talk about how joy makes me want to vomit. Like it makes me think of those like precious moments figurines oh, that are really like sweet. Their eyes are so cute. They are really cute. <laughs> but there's like something about it that I feel like I'm... I'm not entitled to joy because joy is such a heavy word in the same way that passion is a heavy mm-hmm. word yeah. and purpose is a heavy word. Fun is fun. Fun is fun. Fun is fun. So I like thinking about fun as fun. this thread that is woven through your life that you remembered when you were a kid and you sort of lost sight of the more you had to make your own doctor's appointments right. and, you know, figure life out as an adult and paying bills. So that's but you a, can find it again. So that's the that kind of the key to this to why I wanted Alexis to come on the podcast is because when we were talking about this conversation, I I said that I have confidence in this way. She started talking about my brain and my habits. And I was like, whoa, I guess you're right. When you really think of it, why my life is so fun is because I've gotten good at finding, building, keeping fun 
around. And when I don't have it, I go back to get more. You're allergic to it. Mm-hmm. You know? You're allergic to non-fun. Meat. Right. And yeah. so in the early stages, maybe people aren't good at fun. Maybe they're not biologically predisposed to finding fun. I think it's just like it's not, it's not natural as an adult because you've got these success egos, mm-hmm. success sound bites that's conflicting because people are like, you can have fun on the weekends. You can have fun at night. You can have fun at other times, not every day. Which is like the weird, I think that's the part that's weird. And it, and it is kind of a bummer that you can't find that at a corporation or you can't find that a, at a company. Um, but that's just because the narrative, whoever leadership is, isn't, isn't promoting it. Well, the, the beautiful thing about working at a place where you don't have any autonomy or you don't um, get any creative control over what you do is that you don't have any autonomy or creative control over what you do. So if things go badly, <laughs> you can just blame your boss True. or you can blame other people. Like you can sort of check out and feel safe. So there's, there's a good reason to stick around in a place where you're not having fun anymore. It's safe. And actually from a, like a sciencey psychological perspective, it is human default to not find fun first. We have a negativity bias. We see the danger around every corner first. We like hear the sounds that might be threatening first. We just automatically prioritize danger and fear and negativity over fun because it's a survival mechanism. But that's just our old brain, the, the newer brain that we evolved, the cerebral, you know, mm-hmm. the cortex, the big, the big squiggly Nerf football in yeah. your head. Yeah. That brain evolved so that we could press pause on that fear-based helplessness thing. Um, I need to quickly interrupt this episode. So sorry. Yeah, what's up? So this episode is actually brought to you by ilovecreatives.com. Uh, Dot com. And we have lots of fun things on here, but we also have creative profiles. Do you know what our creative profiles is? I know what our- a creative profile is. So basically, it's our version of a resume, but it's kind of tricky when you're dealing with creatives that are slashies because, you know, maybe you haven't defined it yet, but we like to think of it as a way to get to know you and see how you can help other creatives in the community. So um, yeah, you can see other people's creative profiles on there, or you can make one yourself and start building out your freelance service-based business or even small business. Dang, that sounds great. Yeah, well, thank you. How do I get one? Uh, Yeah, you just got to go to isleofcreatives.com and look for creative profiles in the navigation, and there you go. Sounds great. I'm going to do that right now. Okay, well, wait, we got to get back into the episode. Okay, we'll finish that first. Can we do a little exercise? Mm -hmm. Can we, um, let's go into a time warp. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's go back to when Maceo probably first started discovering fun. And can you like describe what you're seeing as a science oh, okay. lens? Yeah. So, I like this. Okay. So we're ready? Mm-hmm. Strap prompt. in, guys. Give me your prompt. Here we go. <laughs> um, all right. Just, uh, testing, testing. All right. We're ready. Locked and loaded. Time Pressing machine. Pressing all the buttons. Going boop, back boop, to boop, 1992. Boop, boop. Ready? Uh, oh, oh shit! Great Scott, <laughs> Marty, <laughs> and we're here. 
Ah. Hi, I am second grade Maceo. <laughs> and, you know, I just got out of first grade, and now they're telling me that letters and a little bit of words aren't enough. I have to start doing paragraphs, and mm, I don't know about that. It <laughs> doesn't seem like something I'm going to want to do. But I remember from first grade and from kindergarten that the way they taught us things was songs. So I'm going to use a song to help me learn paragraphs and longer reading. What is happening here, Doc? Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to put on my best NPR science voice. At this moment, Maceo is realizing that he has autonomy in the situation, even as a second grader. He has control over something, not the fact that he has to learn how to write paragraphs, because that sounds like it sucks ass, but he has learned that he has autonomy over himself and that he can get creative about the way he learns that thing. And so he can make it fun. He can change the circumstances for himself. And that autonomy is pressing pause on the little helplessness lever in his brain, which by the way is called the dorsal raph nucleus, if anyone wants to know. Dorsal raph nucleus. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So did that, do we need to go back further or is this, is this an every kid? Every kid has a situation like this that happens to them. Yeah. And every kid does. But just, is there some that just are um, rewarded for it more or I, I'm, I'm wondering how like come everyone isn't good at fun <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question thank what you what happened thank you second grade Maceo why aren't you're, there more people so on this intuitive. podcast <laughs> <laughs> my voice got deeper it got I'm deeper still, he's I'm still, still in yeah. second grade I'm still in second grade um yeah so everybody has the default helplessness in our la in our brains. It's part of being a human. You feel like if something is outside of your control, your automatic response is the roly-poly. You tuck and you hide. You're like, oh God, it's fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. um, the older you get, the more you want to fight rather than run, but it's basically built in. But some kids experience more beat downs throughout their life where they're like, oh, a lot is outside my control. There's some systemic shit that's ruining my life. There's some stuff going on in my family. There's some things that are wrong. I have health problems. Whatever's happening, if they get worn down by the fact that things aren't fun and they don't have anyone helping them think about solving that problem, taking back some control in their situation, then they don't learn the, the habit of fun. Now, the, there's, the good thing is, even if you had a fucked up childhood that made you really serious and sad, because a lot of people have had that. You can still learn fun. You can learn optimism, which in turn is learning confidence. It's literally a muscle you can, you can exercise. What would be the first thing to do? If you wanted to practice optimism, the first thing you have to do is decide that when you feel out of control, there's got to be something you can do. You can't control what happens to you, but you control what you do. I do that. I do that. I yeah. do that. I, I'm like... I mean, if, if anybody was like, okay, who's going to solve this? Like, I feel like I would be one of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, he right? knows, right? He right? knows. No, sometimes. I'm mm -hmm. agreeing. I'm it, so shaking my head profusely. Yeah. We know how to figure out situations. I definitely know how to figure out fun if I really wanted to. That's so crazy. I mean, designers, right? We have an ability to unpack a problem 
I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Are we mm. creative first and therefore optimists? Or are we optimists first, which makes, which makes us better creatives? That's why you're pointing at me profusely. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's a simile if we are <laughs> looking at the source. Mm-hmm. Creativity and fun and optimism. And confidence and risk-taking. It's all autonomy. Yeah. Creatives know how to make connections out of things that weren't there before. So they're inherently good at problem solving because problems are usually like two open ends that are, you know, flailing around and no one knows what to do. And you have to find a way to connect the dots. And sometimes that's putting your fingers in there. (laughs) Exactly that. And then smelling it a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, I was thinking a Chinese finger trap. So that went in a different direction (laughs) than what you thought. (laughs) (laughs) Went in a new way. Okay, I'm going to have, so I just recently took this stand-up class. Awesome. And it wasn't fun at some point. Mm. And and this was the first time in a very long time where I was like, damn it, I'm not having fun. And I know why, because it's hard. And Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had enough practice to figure out how to get out of a writer's block or whatever this emotional spiral that I was going through or whatever. I knew that because I have, I had learned like how to be a designer and I've learned all to, but like, because this is a new situation, because it's not something I've never done before. It doesn't mean that the spiral and the frustration wasn't just as bad. Like mm-hmm. it was still just as bad. And you saw me right before I went up. I was like, yo dude, I'm like out of my mind. You were right spinning. Now. I was spinning. Yeah. And, um, I, I was trying all the things to get out of it and try to figure out like, what are ways to like do this? But I also feel like sometimes you do just need to go through it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to necessarily figure out the answer. Yeah. Well, I think you can't always predict what will or will not be fun. I mean, most people decide not to try something because they think it will suck. They like are disappointed in advance, mm-hmm. you know, because that's a safer way to, to make decisions. You're like, let me think this through. Oh, no, that's going to be awful. Let's not do it. So I think the important thing to recognize is if you're going to flex your your fun muscle, if you're going to practice optimism and figure out what feels good to you and chase that down, it means you have to be willing to do a lot of messy trying stuff out. You're going to have to make mistakes. You're going to have to get up there and feel terrified mm-hmm. doing stand-up because you have to conquer that like little lizard. It's literally pressing a lever in your brain. So you've got to conquer that fear just by doing it. Right. The fun doesn't kick in until maybe two or three tries in, but you can always feel the rush like later. It, it clarifies itself later. I felt like the autonomy was so overwhelming because you have to have autonomy in figuring out, remember what you were talking about? Like, I needed to talk about Instagram. And I was like, I'm not really ready to talk about Instagram. But I had to choose to talk about it and make it funny. But I was not in the, like, right head. I just, I didn't want to choose. Actually, that wasn't, it was, I just didn't want to choose. Puno. Mmm. Do you want to know what one of my favorite things is? What? Ice cream. But it's like life for me. And as a matter of fact, I built an entire workshop around building your own Sunday, which is a model for how you can use that same framework for building an incredible Sunday to help you design your own life. Because if you're wondering- Is it bananas? (laughs) It is absolutely bananas. If you're someone out there who's wondering how to get your life back on track after COVID-19, 
Maybe you want to start with eating a quart of ice cream with me and you're going to build your own Sunday. It's going to get you right on track, establishing your goals and your vision, and you're going to work towards that. It's kind of like life coaching with dairy and sugar. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> also, do you remember ice cream sandwiches from Baskin Robbins? I do. Oh, next workshop. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> interested in that, go to citizensofculture.com. Sweet. So I guess we have to go back to the episode now. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I'll meet you there. Okay. Bye. Bye. That, that's almost like what uh, Alexis was saying, right? Is that when you're in a job that you don't like, it gets to be someone else's fault that you're not happy. And when you're an entrepreneur, there's no one else to blame if your job sucks besides you. But isn't that also paralyzing? I mean, don't you find that it's paralyzing to be in full control of your life, your job, your paychecks and all the other things? It was. And there was that one point where I was like, I'm so tired of making decisions. Like, mm-hmm. I just need a break. I just need a second to not make another decision. Mm-hmm. And I think like sometimes people or maybe this is me. I think optimism is sometimes just an ignorant choice or a just blind like whatever just put on a happy smile and just be happy about it and in a way sometimes that works for me like sometimes just going to the mirror and smiling and be like yeah so what (laughs) do you have anything for that the like how how the smile Oh, like if, if smiling actually makes you happy? There, well, there's a lot of mixed research about that. It's mm. not conclusive. There's some people who are like ride or die scientists are like, yes, doing the fake smile actually becomes a real smile. And then there's all these papers that are like, nope, the human brain totally detects it. It knows a fake smile and a fake laugh from a real one. Don't mess around with it. I could see how and for the long tail like that wouldn't necessarily yeah. work. But I think what you're describing is that you're making a new choice. The funny thing is when you're realizing you're that tired, like, I don't want to make any more choices. What you're talking about is, I don't want to make any more of those choices. Right. I don't want to think more about how I'm going to make money today or how I'm going to leverage this talent I have into this relationship, into that paycheck. It's like the everyone reaches a peak capacity of, I can't handle this many more choices. That is just a scientific fact. Mm-hmm. But what you did want to do is make another choice, which was, okay, I'm g- am I going to be okay? You basically took back control for yourself. We're like, what's wrong today? It's a self-awareness thing. Mm. What Am I going to make it through? And I think real optimism, rather than thinking that everything is good all the time and putting a creepy half smile on your face, <laughs> is, is going, it's going to be okay. I just don't know how yet, but it's worth, like my fun ratio is, you know, maybe it's 60-40 right now. Most of what I'm doing, most of what I'm interested in is fun. There's also the maintenance of being a human. At no point does that go away. Being Maintaining being a human is really boring and exhausting. But if the ratio is good, I think that's how you know it's worth continuing in that direction. Right. And just remembering you have some control over something. Not how the universe spins. Not everything that happens to you. Like, things are shitty, but you do have control over how you react. And that is what pus- pushes pause on that lever so that you can actually move forward. I it's a little that. button in your brain. I feel like that was the moral. Yeah. That's great. That was the moral <laughs> of the great story. Great job. Oh, my God. So, Alexis, tell us one more time in your mm-hmm. own words who you are, the name of your book, where to find you. Okay. So, the book that I wrote that I'm very proud of is called Find Your Fuck Yeah. 
It's the subtitle is Stop Censoring Who You Are and Discover What You Really Want. And I tenderly describe it as self-help for people already rolling their eyes. And you, it was published by Chronicle Prism. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places. It's also an audiobook. It's also an ebook, and that's available right now. Um, and you can find me most of the time on Instagram at Alexis Rockley, A-L-E-X-I-S-R-O-C-K-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the internet, my website of the same name. And I really, really like making internet friends. Ah, oh, so if you, we were. If someone yes. were to email me, say, and write me a nice note, I would actually write them back and yes, talk to them. Queen, yes. So I would, I would love to make internet friends. Awesome. And I'm really excited that you guys it. talked about this with me. Oh, well, that was a fun episode. They all are. They all are. So if you felt that way too, we would love it if you could, uh, well, Maceo, could you tell them what they should do? If you could just go ahead and drop us a million stars or as many as you think are are worthy as a little review and, and, and maybe tell us what you liked about it. Yeah. And then our parents will be proud of us. Mm, I can feel it already. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's fun. fun. With Puno. And Maceo. Maceo and Puno. It's Puno and Maceo. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>